And welcome back. I'm Pastor Mark Sepulveda with Impact Church San Diego. And once again, I am so glad you were joining us today. If you missed our intro, I just wanted to let you know that our text to give options are still on the fritz, but we'll let you know as soon as they're up so you can support our ministry, our live streams, and our podcasts. I hope you got your Bibles. I hope you have your laptops or your iPads or whatever you're not live streaming on so we can get into the Word of God. We're going to start with John chapter 14, verses 1 through three and they read like this let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence to thank you, God, for this opportunity and the privilege, Lord Jesus, to hear your word, God. We thank you for everything that you have done in our lives, Lord Jesus. We thank you for our families, God, our friends, and for everything that you have blessed us with, Lord Jesus. We ask you, God, for I ask you, Lord, that you, the words that are about to be heard right now that flow out of my mouth be your words and not mine, God. What you revealed to me, Lord Jesus, let it be spoken through my lips, God. I thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Lord God. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen, amen. This is a very popular uh, passage in the Bible, John 14. It talks about a place where he's going, and we always imagine to live at a humongous house, a giant mansion, and it says, let not your hearts be troubled. I mean, don't worry about a thing. God has got it. God is in control. If you believe God, believe also in me, he's saying. If you believe in the one and true only creator of all things, also believe in me, okay? Uh, in my father's house, now he's talking about where his father is, the kingdom in my father's house are many mansions, and some versions say rooms, and that is a little bit more quite fitting to where we're going to go at in this sermon today. In my father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, I ain't lying. <laughs> Jesus, whatever he's saying, I'm not lying to you. If it's coming out of my mouth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, he is the truth. So if it's coming out of his mouth, he's not lying. So he wouldn't have said these words if he were lying. He would have told him. He would have said, in my father's house are many mansions. Tricks, I'm just lying. I'm playing with you guys. No. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, he's saying. He's saying he's going to prepare a place. This place that he's preparing for us is what we're going to dive into in a little bit here. It kind of coincides in everything that we're, uh, that we're going to be uh, discussing today, or I'm going to be discussing today with you. See, Jesus always spoke in parables. He always spoke in stories in the way that the people of those days can understand. Although he was speaking to that demographic of people, but his words resound through us throughout the ages and are relevant today for us right now, praise God. They continue to speak. See, this passage that we just read in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, it's not a parable because he's speaking to his disciples of what he's going to do and what he is preparing. But it links to a parable 
within the Bible, praise God, of Matthew chapter 25, if you can remember a few uh, uh, months ago that I preached about keeping the flame alive, and then talked about the parable of the ten virgins. I'm sure you're familiar with this one if you caught that preaching. If you didn't catch that sermon uh, on YouTube or uh, heard it on uh, our podcast on Spotify or any other places where you get your podcast by impact, searching Impact Church San Diego, um, I'm sure you're very familiar with uh, this passage or this parable of the ten virgins. See, we had five virgins that were wise, the smart ones, and we had five that were foolish, which is basically most of everybody else around nowadays. See, the five smart ones or the wise ones, uh, they prepared themselves and they had their lamps. You would never go into the dark or you wouldn't go into the dark wilderness without some sort of light source. Uh, some people might have those rechargeable batteries, uh, and if it runs out, where are you going to plug them into? See, they had lanterns, and these lanterns were powered by oil, and in order for the light to continue to burn, the canisters or inside the lanterns needed oil to feed up to the wick to keep the flame alive. You see, the five wise virgins, they had extra oil just in case they were about ready to run out. See, the five foolish virgins, they didn't think about planning ahead. Most of the people nowadays really don't think about planning ahead, whether in their retirement, in their spiritual life, or maybe just in their life in general. We just don't plan ahead because we can't think in the future, okay? Because we don't know what's going to happen in the future, which all the more reason we need to prepare for the future. See, the five wise virgins prepared for what they didn't think was going to happen, which is, oh, you know, they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. See, these 10 virgins were about to be part of a wedding, uh, the marriage supper or the wedding banquet, and uh, they were to be received by the bridegroom. But because the bridegroom took a long time in preparing himself, a long time in coming, they, they got tired. The Bible says that they got drowsy and they fell asleep. And the Bible says in that in Matthew chapter 25 that uh, there was a cry out in, at midnight. It says, and at midnight, if that sounds familiar, it says, and at midnight, there was a cry that rang out, behold, the bridegroom cometh, and they all woke up. The Bible says that they trimmed their lamps. In other words, they, they, they turned them on and they got the wick just the right height. While doing so, the five foolish virgins realized that Oh my God, we're running out of oil. We ran out. I can't trim my lamp. We don't have any oil. I can't get my light on to see where I am going, right? But the five wise virgins, they had extra oil, so they filled their lamps back up. So they were prepared. They had light to see where they were going or to lead their way to the bridegroom. Thy word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. And as long as you have that light on your path and a lamp, you can see where you are going, which leads you to the bridegroom. See, the five bullish virgins didn't have enough oil to lead them to the bridegroom so they couldn't see the path or the light because they didn't have any. And they reached out to the five wise. Well, hey, can you let us use some oil so that we can go as, you know, we can all go together. It says, we can't because there might not be enough for you and me at the same time. But once you go to those people who sell oil so that you can have enough oil, as those five went to go buy oil, the five wise ones were entered in to the wedding banquet. You see, when the five foolish virgins came, 
They knocked on the door and they say, hey, can you know, you let us in. We, I know we're a little late, uh, but uh, so was the bridegroom. Uh, we weren't ready for him because we didn't have oil, but can you let us in? And they say, depart from us for we not know you. We don't know who you are. You need, you need to go. You, you miss the door. You miss the, you miss the opportunity to get there. And that's what the Bible says, uh, how Jesus, when he tells a parable, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells this parable. And if he says the kingdom of heaven is like, and, and he says about the ten virgins, hey, the wise ones had, had lamp, they had light to enter in. The foolish ones didn't, but when they did have enough, when they finally got ready, it was too late. And that basically, Jesus is telling us that those who are ready are going to be caught up in a blink in a, of an eye, but those who are not ready and say, hold on, give us a few more minutes, give us a few more hours, can you give us a few more days or weeks or months to prepare ourselves? But Jesus is not looking for those that still need to prepare in order to get to kingdom of heaven, but those who are ready to receive the bridegroom when he comes. Which here Jesus is talking about when he says the kingdom of God is like it. And he says they were ready, these weren't. They were received, they weren't. And a couple of other passages and parables that Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like man who sowed seed and, and, uh, and, 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 and he, the plants grew, but when the plants grew, there's also weeds. And they said, hey, do you want us to rip out the weeds to get, to get away from what you were trying to grow? And he says, no, because if you rip out the weeds, you might rip out the good wheat. Okay? We want to keep the wheat. We don't want the weeds. But if you rip out the wheat, the, the, if you rip out the weeds, the wheat might come with it, and, and we don't want that. Yet, wait till harvest time, and we'll pull the wheat out. We're not going to pull the weeds out. We're going to pull the wheat out, which will also bring up the weeds. And when you pull out the wheat, which is the good stuff, we'll take that, the weeds and we'll bundle them up and throw them into the fire. And he's also giving uh, an example of how the kingdom of God is like and he's, also, he's talking about those that are going to be caught up or those that are going to be saved uh, in, in contrast to those that are going to be brought together and thrown into the lake of fire. See, a lot, a lot of churches, not a lot of pastors like to talk about H-E double hockey sticks here, but I truly believe we're getting into that time period just by looking around, just by watching the news, just by hearing uh, things and getting informed of certain things and knowing that the signs of the times that are coming, we need to be ready. We, we can't be like the five uh, foolish virgins and, and, and not be ready, not having enough oil, not having enough spiritual, not having enough prayer, not having enough word, not having enough not having enough relationship with our bridegroom, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so when he does come that we can say we are ready, we prepared to receive him and not be outcasted and say, be gone for I do not know you, because that'll be the most harshest words you'll ever hear. Can you imagine of, of, of going, to your, going to your parents' house and not having a relationship with them, you're not going to the door, and they answer the door, and they say, hey, you know, hey, how are you doing? Coming in? Who, who are you? You don't even come around, you don't visit, which reminds me, i got to see my mom, my Mother's Day is coming around. <laughs> but uh, they're going to, who are you? You know, what, what are you doing here? You don't come around. I, I don't know you. Depart from me, I for I do not know you. And that's one of the harshest words or the scariest words that we can imagine or fathom hearing when that time comes. Jesus always talked 
about the end times. Honestly, Jesus talked about hell more than he did the kingdom of God. Or he contrasted both the kingdom of God with hell pretty much together because he does say the kingdom of God is like. He always talked about the end times and what it was going to be like or or how it was going to uh, go down, praise God. But we see here in the word of God that... um, that Jesus is the bridegroom and the church of God, which are Christians, those who have a relationship with God, those who are close and, and, and pray and, and, and want to be close to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is the church or is the bride or is the bride, praise God. So we can be caught up with him. He always talked about receiving us in unto himself, as he says right here, praise God, where he says, and if I go prepare a place, we're in John chapter 14, verse 3, and if I go prepare a place for you, he is preparing a place for you, he's preparing a place for me, preparing for all those who are ready to receive him. I will come again, he's going to come again, the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and receive you unto myself, he is saying. He wants to receive you, he wants you to be ready, he has been warning us the signs of the the times are going on of everything that's going or happening around us so we need to be ready we got to stop playing church we got to stop messing around and and, and we got to stop playing games and get down to the nitty-gritty which is the word of god thy word that i hide in my heart that i may not sin against god in order and we keep saying why do i keep on sinning why do i keep on sinning why do i keep on falling why do i fall for the tricks of the enemy why 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 are you getting enough nutrition are you getting enough to eat are you eating good <laughs> the Bible says that the word of God is the bread of life. Are you, are you eating good? Are you, are, are you eating all right? How's your nutrition? How's your spiritual nutrition? It's right here in the word of God, thy word that I hide in my heart. If you don't want to sit anymore, you need to, you need to eat this. You need to swallow this. You need to ingest this. You need to memorize this, that you hide it inside your heart, that you may not sin against God. Praise God. And most of us fall short of that, praise God. The Bible does say that you know, for, for we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, but his blood, his grace, his mercy cover us all that. All we have to do is receive him and be ready and prepared for him, praise God. The Bible says that let not your heart be troubled because when the end times do come, when things happen like that, we, we shouldn't be troubled because we believe in God. And if we believe in our Heavenly Father, we also believe in the one that he sent down to be crucified on the cross for our sins, for our iniquities. The Bible, Jesus has also say that no one knows the day nor the hour. We're going to find that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. If you have your Bibles, if you have your laptops, it reads like this. It says, no one knows, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father, as it is written in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. What was going on in the days of Noah? He said the second coming or the bridegroom is going to come just like the days of Noah. And it reads here, as we continue reading on here, it says like this. For in the days of Noah... Before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. People were messing around, playing around, fooling around, doing this, doing that, having fun, drinking, and and not having a care in the world. Noah was preaching for 120 years while the ark was being built to say, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. I'm making room here. 
I am building a boat, and it is more than enough room for you guys. You need, you know, you guys to come in here to be saved along with me and my family. And by the way, all these animals, they made fun of him. They mocked him. They teased him. They ridiculed him. They didn't want to go in there. That's why the Bible says that they, 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 they were eating and drinking, having a grand old time, you know, marrying, giving in marriage and doing this, fooling around, shacking up, doing all kinds of crazy things until Noah entered the ark. What happened after Noah entered the ark? He shut the door. No, he did not shut the door. The Bible says that the door was shut. God shut the door of the ark. What he shuts, no man can open, praise God. We always hear about God opening doors for the next chapter of our lives. Oh, God is opening doors. God is opening doors. But what happens when God closes a door? Woe unto those people who, who miss the opportunity or the chance to go into a door that God already shut. And that's what happens, just as in the days of Noah. For you know, That's exactly how the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going to be. But let's pedal back a little bit on verse 36 of Matthew 24. It says, No one knows that day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. A lot of people say that, you know what, Jesus is coming this year. Well, nobody knows the day or the hour. Oh, I have a feeling that even I'm saying this to this day right now, just by looking around and, and, and seeing all the signs and things that are going on, I truly believe that Jesus is coming super soon, if not this year, praise God. And they might tell me, Brother Mark, no one knows the day or the hour. See, people use that excuse to ignore a warning. People use the excuse of nobody knows the day nor the hour. The Bible says nobody knows the day or the hour, so I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep you know, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage because nobody knows the day or the hour. That's not what it means. It means if nobody knows, you better be ready when it does. Amen? If nobody knows the coming of the, the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if so, nobody knows when the bridegroom is going to come to lift up his church, wouldn't you rather be ready than not? Or do you want the door to be slammed in your face like the, uh, uh, like the ark when God had closed it? Or do you want the door to be closed and you're knocking on it, you're banging on it, let us in, let us in, leave, for I, I, I don't know who you are. You see, it's not to say that I'm going to take it easy because nobody knows the time or the hour. But when that time comes, are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have enough oil for your, your, the lamps? Have you built up enough spiritual nutrition in your heart to keep yourselves from sinning, from keep yourself from living frivolously in everything? Praise God. Reading this passage, or just this verse, verse 36, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels know in heaven, nor the sun. Now, and it says, nor the Son, only the Father. Does that mean that Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back? <laughs> you know, that, that would be a, a contradictory to what we believe, that Jesus was manif that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Wouldn't, uh, is there a certain information that's not being, you know, uh, uh, shared between the man Jesus to the God Jesus, you know? It's, it's not what he's saying. It's not that he was ignorant of knowing when he is coming back. What he's referring to 
is what we're talking about here in these passages that I had let forward here. He says, I go to prepare a place. He's talking about preparing something for us. And if he's preparing something, he's going to come back. And it's also about the ten virgins. See, there was a bridegroom, and then there's the bride, and, but he was late in coming. But as soon as he came, they needed to be ready. If he was gone and they were waiting for the bridegroom, what was he doing that took him too long or took him quite a while to get back is that he was preparing a place See, what Jesus was referring to here is the old customs of, um, of, uh, uh, of the Jewish um, customs of being married. See, in the old custom, the Jewish custom, I don't know if it's going on right now. I haven't been over there. I haven't spoken to too many Jewish people. But in the Jewish customs of marriage, see, they would, more, uh, they would be arranged. Marriages would be arranged. Oh, you know, nobody arranges marriages in this day and age. In some certain cultures and certain places, yes, they still do arrange marriages. Not to the point maybe what I'm going to be speaking about right here, but there is still arranged marriages. And in, in the Jewish customs, there was arranged marriages, and there was a price uh, that was paid to the family for the bride. And uh, the, the, the way the custom went, the person who was the, or the man that was going to be married to the bride he would... Uh, make the deal, uh, pay the family for the bride or, or, or the arrange the marriage, then he would leave for a certain time. While he is gone for that certain time, he's preparing a place. He's building or adding on to his father's house. Maybe he's making a little bit of room. You know, he's he goes. You know, he goes to his father's house and he finds a little flat. So, okay, this is where I'm going to build. You know, it's going to be adjacent to the house or connected to the house. I'm going to build a place right here so I can receive my wife, so we can all live together. See back there, they just added on to the houses or they just built upon what they had there, more rooms and more rooms, so that they, you know, whoever how many ever many sons they had and as they married they just added on and added on so the 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 groom would go back home to his father's house and he would prepare a place yeah john chapter 14 i go prepare a place in my father's house there are many mansions or some versions say in my father's house there are many rooms see what jesus is referring to is the groom, the bridegroom, going to receive the bride, but he, he, he's preparing a place. That's why he says, I go prepare a place. In my father's house are many rooms. I'm preparing all these rooms for us. I'm preparing a mansion for you, a mansion for you, a mansion for you. You get a mansion, you get a mansion, you get a mansion, to quote Oprah Winfrey. But, you know, you get a room, you get a room, you get a room. You know, he's preparing this place for you and I so that he can receive us unto himself. See, when he says here that I'm going I'm to explain this, he says, Mark, what does this have to do with no one knows the day of the hour? When the bridegroom goes to prepare that place, the father of the house okay, sees the progress that he once is set. He looks upon it and says, good job, son. Okay, great job. Now you're ready to go get your bride. Now you're ready. Now it's the father of the bridegroom who says, good job. You built your place. You prepared a place. You are ready to go get your bride. See, he doesn't know. The bridegroom doesn't know. I mean, the son doesn't know, you know, what, you know when his father is going to give him the nod of approval to go receive his bride. He knows it's going to happen. He knows the month. He might even know the week. 
But once he's done, once the last texture is finished, once the last trim is done and it's ready and the furnishings are there, he knows the time, you know, the father's going to come in to overlook things and say, okay, you are ready to go receive your bride. That's why Jesus says no one knows the day nor the hour. Not even the son, but only the father, because it's going to be at the father's discretion. You say, okay, you're ready. Go receive your bride. It's like in the Jewish customs when they paid for the arrangement of the bride, then he goes prepare that place. Once he's done preparing the place, the bridegroom, the, I mean, sorry, the bride doesn't know when the bridegroom is coming. She needs to be prepared. She needs to be ready. He can come any day. You know, he's making us a house. He's building us a home. I don't know when it's going to finish. I don't know how, you know, what it's going to look like, but he's building us a home. I better be ready to receive him once he is ready to come and get me. Jesus says, I go prepare a place so that where I am, you will be also. He wants to receive you unto himself, but are you ready to be received? So it's not that Jesus doesn't know when he's coming. He was making a reference to the Jewish custom of receiving a bride. Now, I found this on the internet, which is very, which is very interesting. And it reads like this. When a Jewish boy or a Jewish man or a Jewish lad would propose marriage to a prospective bride, he would offer her a cup of wine. Hey, hot stuff, do you want to drink? <laughs> he would offer her a cup of wine. Why? Maybe it was a custom back then. I don't know. How did he give it to her? Was it just like, you know, like that, here you go? Was there a ritual of how to give her wine? That I don't know. But he would offer her a cup of wine. If she drank it, she was accepting the betrothal. She was accepting, like, yes, I will... I will marry you. I will, you know, I will be engaged to you. Okay. She was accepting this betrothal. He would then inform her that he was going to his father's house to prepare a place for her. I go prepare a place for you in my father's house are many rooms. Okay. He's going to prepare a place at his father's house. Okay. She would typically respond, when are you coming back? Well, when are you going to come back? How long are you going to be? Just like a woman. How long, where are you going? How long are you going to be? Who are you going to be with? <laughs> How can I get a hold of you? <laughs> Stuff like that. Anyways, if you're married, you'd understand. He says, when are you? She, said, she would usually respond, when are you coming back? And the answer of the groom would most likely be, only my father knows. Only my father knows when I'm ready to receive you. Only my father knows with what I have built is ready for you to enter into it. I have a little story. Many, many years ago, uh, we have this in, you know, in our old church over here in Otay, California. My dad was the pastor there. And uh, we had me and, uh, I mean, me and Lilia, my wife now, but back then, me and my uh, girlfriend, Lilia, uh, we were in charge of the candy store. We had a little candy store, a little tiendita right there. We'd always go to TJ once a week to go pick up the you know, uh, Mexican candies, and we would always stock it up. And, and, uh, and, this, and this, little, this little house, this little candy store, the window was kind of, you know, it was about yay high, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell with the cameras here, but uh, it was tall enough to anybody to go up to. But if you were a little kid, it was kind of hard because, you know, you were like, you know, all you saw was a little hand coming out of the window. And um, so I said, you know, I'm going to make some stairs. 
I'm going to build some steps. I'm back then. I wasn't really too good with my hand. Well, yeah, I was, but not really too good in construction. You know, uh, I didn't have many tools, but I, I I carved out some steps, two step things like that. Put some boards across it, and and, and I certified it and, and braced it with two by fours, and I painted it. I nailed it together. I painted it uh, black, and I put it right in front of the candy store. And you know, I said, all right, so the little kids can climb up to the you know to go uh, to to the window, so they can see all the candies, and they can buy whatever they can see. Now they can see because of the steps that I built there. Well, my dad was privy to the fact that we were running the candy store, me and Lilia, and, uh, and he knew that I was making steps because I was living in my father's house. <laughs> he knew I was making steps because he saw me making steps because he asked me, well, what are you building? What are you, what are you doing? He said, I'm making steps for the candy store because he knew this because I was in the backyard cutting wood. And he saw me build this, and he saw me put it together and paint it, and I put it up. Now, I put these steps in front of the candy store. He comes down. He sees it. Oh, are these the steps that you built? Well, yeah, you, you saw me build them. He steps on them. He climbs up to the top step. I believe it was two steps. He you know, climbs up two steps, You know, does a little hop, climbs back down, and looks at him. You're ready to get married. That's what he told me. This is a true story. I am not lying. And if it were so, not so, I, I would have told you. <laughs> he climbed the steps. He did a little hop on them, and he looked at him. He said, okay, you know, you, all right, solid. He goes, you're ready to get married. It's like he gave me the nod of approval because I could now do something. I, could, I now built something. Actually, I built these at my father's house. I built these at home in the backyard of my father's house. It's like, I built the room, but we didn't end up going living over there. We went. Anyways, but that's just exactly what's going on here when he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a room. And she asks, when are you coming back? And he says, only my father knows. Was I ready for marriage before I built those steps? Maybe. Is anybody really ever ready for marriage, you know? Once you get to marriage, oh my God, what did I get myself into? But we need to work together. We have to work together. It, marriage is never a 50-50. It's always a 100-100 because if you get 50-50, that's only 50% of a marriage. But you need to give 100% of herself, 100% of yourself or himself in order for them to be 100% of a marriage to work together. Now, I don't want to get too much into a marriage thing here, but well, actually, we are talking about the bridegroom. <laughs> But he goes to prepare a place. He goes to his father's house. That's why Jesus said, go prepare a place. In my father's house are many mansions. And when he talks right here, he says, no one knows that time, that day or the hour, not even the son, but only the father knows. And, and, and just like the, old, the Jewish customs that he's going to go to his father's house, and once the father gives him the nod of approval, you're ready to go. Just like my dad told me that, you're, hey, you're ready to get married because I built steps good enough to hold people. <laughs> are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you ready to receive the, uh, the bridegroom? Are you ready to receive Jesus Christ? Are you, ready, or is he, are you ready to be received? In other words, are you ready to be received? Or are you going to be like the five foolish virgins that didn't have enough oil and that they're banging on the door trying to get in and said, be gone. For, I don't know who you are. Or are you going to be like the weeds that, that grew together with the wheat and when it's harvest time, the rapture time, the wheat that was good was bundled up and it was saved. It was, it, it, it was taken care of, but the weeds that were there trying to choke the wheat their entire life was bundled up and thrown into the lake of fire. Are you ready to be received? 
Are you going to be like the foolish? Are you ready to be received? Are you going to be like the weeds? We need to be prepared. We need to be ready. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to you. Whoever's listening, whoever is willing to listen to this message, are you willing to be received? Are you ready to read the word of God, to be spiritually nutritioned by this word right here? Praise God. I preach to you because I love you. I, I do this every week because I know somebody out there is listening, willing to hear this, and maybe it might just change their life around. Uh, maybe they might just receive this word and say, you know, I, I really do need to listen to this. I really do need to get a relationship with Jesus. I really do need to get into the word of God. I really do need to get on my knees and start praying and fasting. I really do need to do this. Or am I just wasting my breath? Jesus loves you. He's given us ample time. He's given us more than enough time. The five foolish virgins thought they had enough time to go run and buy more oil, but yet they were late to the party. And they were cast into outer darkness. Jesus does, did not prepare hell for you. He prepared him. He prepared hell for a, uh, for Satan and his demons. Jesus is loving. God is loving. He didn't he doesn't send people to hell. He doesn't send people to outer darkness. It's the people who do not accept Jesus Christ or receive him as his Lord and, as their Lord and Savior. That's what gets them there. And unfortunately, there's a lot more people than not God. The Bible says that the that the, the pathway to, to heaven is narrow. Narrow is the gate or the path pathway to heaven, and wide is the gate to destruction because there's a lot more people going into destruction than going to heaven, praise God. Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to, to get on your knees and then receive him into your life today? right where you're at. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to pray so that God can give you the strength because he loves you. Right where you're at, bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence to honor you, to thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us to open up our eyes to see what's going on this day so that we can see the signs of the times. There's many things going on but as long as I still have breath in my lungs, as long as my heart is still beating, I want to worship you. It's not too late. It's not too late to change my mind. It's not too late to repent. It's not too late to develop a relationship with Jesus, to, with you, Lord. Give us the strength that we may be able to get over these temptations, these things that we're in, so that we can better be close to you, to read your word, so that we can, so that we can eat the bread of life, so that we may not sin against you, Lord. Lord, we lift up your name, God. We honor you and we thank you for everything, for loving us, for dying on the cross for us, for giving us salvation and a chance to have eternal life. Lord, we lift your name on high, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for these words that we heard today, Lord God, so that we may be able to take this word, God, and, and, and meditate on it, Lord Jesus, to perhaps tell other people about you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor you and we love you wonderful name we pray and everybody out there say amen amen thank you very much for tuning in today next week is mother's day i will not be here me and my wife are flying to texas to see our daughters and we're going to visit them 
uh, for Mother's Day weekend so that they can be with their mom. And uh, until next time, God bless you. I'll see you then. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn. Hello everybody, I'm Pastor Mark Sepulveda with Impact Church San Diego. I just want to come back and recap on my message today, I Go Prepare a Place, Something that was really important that I completely forgot about putting in, but I feel that I need to share with you today. I talked about how uh, Jewish customs of arranged marriages go about and how a, a Jewish boy would give a cup of wine to the prospective bride. And if she received it and drank from it, she was accepting the proposal. And after she accepted the proposal, the boy would go back to his father's house to go prepare a place so that they can be together as husband and wife. And uh, she would ask him, when are you coming back? And, and he said, only my father knows. Uh, basically, when he is done building what he's building and he prepared a place, the father gives him the nod of approval and says, you are ready to receive your bride. Now, what I wanted to touch on was the fact that he offered a cup to the prospective bride, a cup of wine. And if she received it and if she accepted it and she drank from it, she was saying, yes, basically, yes, I will marry you. I will accept this proposal. Now, what happens after that, the arrangements of the marriage are being made, and then there's a price that is paid for the bride-to-be. There's a price that needs to be paid for the bride. And then after that price is paid, the arrangements are made, He then he goes prepare a place. Now, let me parallel this to what Jesus did the night before he was crucified. He broke bread and he, he, gave, he passed out the bread to his disciples as, here, this is my body was bruised and crushed here take this cup of wine this is my blood of the new covenant he offered the cup of wine to his disciples resembling the new covenant of what was to come and what happened the day after that he paid the price with his own blood on the cross so when the boy gave the cup of wine to the prospective bride and she received it she was accepting the proposal when you accept Jesus Christ's proposal, when you receive that cup in holy communion, what you're saying is, I accept your proposal, Lord. I accept what you're doing. I accept, I guess, I want to be in a relationship with you, God. So when you receive that cup, that cup of wine, his blood shed for us on Calvary, his blood of the new covenant, you are accepting what Jesus Christ did. And he paid that price for you on the cross. Just like the Jewish custom of arranged marriages, they pay a price for the bride. Jesus Christ paid that price for you. And what happened after that? Yeah, he rose on the third day. Praise God for that. But what is he doing? What did he say? He said, I go prepare a 
place. I, I go prepare a place. So after he gave him, after he gave you, after he gave me that cup, and we received it in holy communion, accepting the proposal of what Jesus Christ wanted to do, have a relationship with us. He paid that price on the cross. And now that he was put in the tomb and rose again he is preparing a place for us so that where he is that he wants us to be also that he can come down and receive us unto himself have you accepted that cup she could have said no if the bride never accepted the cup there wasn't no deal sadly enough there's a lot of people that have not received that cup have you received that cup have you received the relationship with Jesus Christ? Did you know that he paid that price for you already? And all we had to do is, he already paid that price. It's not too late to take that cup. It's not late to say, yes, Lord, I accept your proposal. It's not too late. Because that price is already paid. He's already preparing a place for you. Are you receiving it? I surely hope you do. And I surely, and if you missed my preaching, I go prepare a place. This is just an excerpt or an add-on to that. I encourage you to watch it today, right now on Facebook, at YouTube, so search Impact Church San Diego, or you can go to Instagram at IGTV at Impact Church SD.